You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we got to talk about an ugly Pacers game, an ugly-looking Pacers team right now, a 6-10 and 10 Pacers team that just four days ago people were thinking maybe they could be 500 by this time. Now they're falling to 6-10. and 10. Pacers lose to the Knicks with a poor fourth quarter, only scoring 10 points on Monday, lose to the Pistons, the lowly 3-10, and 10, now 4-10 and 10 Pistons, on Wednesday, only scoring 89 points in Detroit. Final score, 97 89 Pacers fall to 6 and 10. So that's five. The third quarter of this game of Pacers Pistons was okay. The Pacers scored 32, but they were really hot at the beginning of the quarter. I think Karis LeVert had 12 points in the first like five minutes. So discounting that, let's say six minute stretch, the Pacers have basically played five terrible quarters in a row. They lost all the other three quarters to Detroit. They came out slow. They finished poorly, only 16 in the fourth again. So the Pacers just looked. Terrible. They've looked terrible since the end of Monday's game. They're settling. They're out of rhythm. They're getting beat up. They can't get into what they want to do. Their offense looks terrible. Uh, and this is this loss was really a summary of all the stuff that can go wrong for them happening in the same game yet again. But this time it happened against a terrible team, and it shows that you know their margin for error is not very big. And I think Rick Carlisle has said that a lot. But you know they need both of their really good guys to be good, and that's Sabonis and Brogdon. And Brogdon had 20 points on 17 shots, but he had five turnovers and four assists. And Sabonis had 15 points on seven shots and 11 rebounds. He was actually pretty good, missed some key free throws, but he also had five turnovers, right? So those two guys went up to the level they needed. And then another problem I've talked about with this Pacers team is they just need other guys, one or two role players to step up if those two guys do well. And they had none in this game. Torrey Craig was okay. He had 10 points and played solid defense, but... Keelan Martin, 1 for 7. Miles Turner, 2 for 8. Karis LeVert, 7 for 18. And most of his makes came in one quarter. TJ McConnell, 2 for 6. Justin Holiday, 3 for 7. Only 1 for 5 from deep. Uh, Goga didn't shoot in his minutes. Jeremy Lamb actually did okay, uh, shooting 50%, right? So you just run through box score shooting numbers, and that's very reductive. I admit that that is not a good representation of player effectiveness. And we'll talk about a few guys who were better than their shooting stats suggests, but just in general... When you get 20 uh, from Brogdon and 15 and 11 from Sabonis against a terrible Pistons team, like you just need one other guy to be okay to even play up to an expected level to win, and they I don't think they got it from anybody. So that the, just another problem for the Pacers that stands out again, and then you know the big wing problem sticking out for this Pacers team. They always have struggled against these big wings, and Jeremy Grant only only five for 14, uh, five for nine on two pointers though, and he really. Had some success down the stretch. Sadiq Bay, a bigger forward, also 5 for 14, but again, had some huge clutch shots uh, in the third quarter, hit 3 or 4 from deep. Right, and then the killer was Corey Joseph, surprisingly. Corey Joseph really struggling all year. I think he played the last, like, 20 minutes of this game. He was in almost the whole second half. Corey Joseph, former Pacer, 18 points uh, on 7 of 11 shooting. I mean, how often did he even do that when he was with the Pacers? So, Troubling defense to not be able to shut down the guys that have always killed them. Troubling offense in that literally no one could get it going. This team looked slow and lethargic all night, and they lost to a bad team. The Pacers should absolutely not be losing 
to the Pistons. And let's look, the bench has is, is been really awful for the Pacers recently. Like McConnell was saving them for a few games, uh, but he was kind of filling in as a starter. In this game, Brogdon played 35 minutes plus 11, right? They dominated when Brogdon was in the game. They lost by eight. So that means in 13 minutes with Brogdon on the bench, the Pacers lost by 19 points, getting absolutely smashed, smashed in those 13 minutes. McConnell was a driver for a lot of that. Sometimes he wasn't even involved. So they were just putrid with the second unit in the game, and that's a result of that group shooting really poorly and, and the mixing and matching not going as well, right? They used to be able to rely on the the Turner to come in and kind of turn the tides, but even he struggled a little bit in this game, right? Four turnovers from Miles Turner. I mean, he's not a guy you even expect to turn it over, and he's back to doing the thing he does where he just looks to swing it right away when he catches it. or And maybe that's the Pacers' goal is try to get it to the weak side more and attack against some of these teams. But it just it, it's not working. You know, their offense outside of, again, one really nice burst in the third and then I think six points in the first minute and a half of the fourth just looked completely stagnant and overwhelmed. And for the Pacers players after the game were all talking about kind of the same kind of thing. And, and sometimes that can be guided by the questioning, right? We are asking them similar questions to every player and coach, and they will give you an answer. And there's where your themes that I'm talking about come from. But this time, it got brought up by Carlisle unprompted and then led to questioning, so it was a little different. But the Pacers switched and talked about at halftime being more aggressive in the second half. And they had to be because the second game in a row where at some point in the, in our post-game presser, we hear from a player and coaches that they the other team was too physical for them, and, and it killed them, right? And, you know... Karras talked about how it, you know they that they got outworked by the Pistons and they need to, to figure out their offense because they can't get outworked and outphysicaled to lose to these worst teams. And Torrey Craig, who actually was physical in this game, just said, you know, it made us get stagnant. We can't get stagnant. Brogdon said, I need to step up as a leader of this team. And when they're being physical, the other team, I need to get physical and punch back. But that's not something you expect from this Pacers team, right? They have some streaky shooters. They have some weak wing defenders. Those problems are problems that need to be solved and and ways that this team needs to get better but that you very rarely expect this team to be out physicaled you know they haven't even even last season when they really struggled they they had some toughness at least this year they've had a few games where the other team just punches them in the mouth and they don't have any any solidly strong responses it's been very shocking and the other thing that was a hot button topic after this game is turnovers i mean this has been the pacers problem for so many games this season 18 turnovers in this game and that sounds horrible. They had 14 in the first half of this game, right? That's even worse. The Pacers actually tied Detroit in the second half, and that is bad still. They should be beating the Pistons for a whole half of basketball. But in the second half, the Pacers had four turnovers. In the first half, they had 14. They lost the first half by eight, right? If they could have cleaned that up, they could have been ahead for at halftime and then won this game with the same second half that they played. So the turnovers have just been killer, killer, killer for this team, and in this game, a lot of them were strange, uncharacteristic-y Pacers turnovers where they just could not make an entry pass at all, and they were overthrowing guys, or they were they were not look. You know, Carlisle said after the game they're not right like looking two eyes on the guy they're passing to, so those passes can errantly go out of bounds, or those passes can be off the mark and easily stolen. Like the the, the passing focus wasn't there on those entry passes on the ball movement in general. It just was killer for this team. You can't. I mean, 14 turnovers and a half is is almost unsalvageable, and the Pistons had a bunch of points off of those turnovers, and lo and behold, you know, a, a scrappy young team that isn't great in the half-court offense can hold an eight-point lead for the whole game when that kind of stuff happens. So those were the, the biggest themes from the post game: is 
We turned it over too much. We've got to pay attention there. And we've got to be more aggressive the whole game and not get out physical by other teams. The NBA is getting more and more and more physical all the time. But Carlisle was, you know, he when he was up there, he wanted to, to say, you know, I don't know if that we were in a bad offensive rhythm. We just need to play harder. So I get where he's coming from there as the coach. You know, they had good shots. Karis LeVert even talked about he liked the shots they got. But he also, LeVert was kind of on the the fence there where he thought, you know, we do need to get a little bit of offensive rhythm back. We're a little too clunked up with the spacing. That's something they talked about after the Knicks game too. So it seems like those are two things that we'll see the Pacers kind of focus on in the coming days is is just figuring out some offensive issues. LeVert talked about that specifically. And they like the shot quality they're able to get, although I'll talk about why. I don't necessarily agree 100% there uh, later on in the show, but they weren't bad. looks like they took 37 threes, and I would say most of them were pretty good, or at least the guys you wanted to shoot in this game, as opposed to some games it's not the guys you want. Like, Levert's 10 is a lot, but they were good looks. Brogdon took nine. Like, there's over half of them from two at least solid shooters. Justin Holiday taking five. Keelan taking three. Miles taking five. Like, those are the right guys. They just didn't go in at all. At all. Like, I think if they shoot... 28% even from deep in this game. That's two more makes. Okay, never mind. They needed to shoot about 30% from deep to win this game. That's not even a high bar to clear. They couldn't do it. So cleaning up some offensive timing and rhythm stuff to get those threes open, to get cutters open and stuff will really take this team a long way. And I think they all recognize that after the game because they should not be losing to the Detroit Pistons, even on the road. And I know they've struggled with that franchise for a while in the last half decade, but they are way more talented than them. They should not be... You know, Cade Cunningham took over in the clutch. I talked about the big wings. They should not be losing to this team. And they should not be losing in ways that just play harder is the answer against a team that they are way better than, right? If they are getting outworked, that's just that's the most unacceptable way to lose. Sabonis, after a practice, after they lost in Toronto last month, was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I got to get these guys to play harder from the jump. And then soon after that, they kind of went on a run. And look, you, you shouldn't need to be whipped into paying attention and playing hard all the time if you're a basketball team that's a professional team. But I think they need another like that kind of moment where someone steps up and says, hey, guys, come on. Like, we got to be ready from the start of the game, be physical, match the energy of their team. And they've got Charlotte on Friday, who they already played. They lost to. I'm sure there's a revenge factor there. They're coming off of two losses. You would hope that the Patriots have all the motivation they need to come out in Charlotte and really kick some butt. So we'll see what's going to happen there. But I want to talk about some stuff with this team that is some trends. Today's podcast is about trends because this Pacers team is a roller coaster season. So what stands out trends-wise? I want to talk about clutch play. I want to talk about turnovers. I want to talk about open shooting. Lots of fun stuff. And by fun, I mean poor stuff that the Pacers need to focus on. So let's do that. But first, let's take a short little break here so I can talk about the great people over at betonline.ag who are back and better than ever. They have a new web interface for the start of basketball season, and they have more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use this promo code locked on, all one word, you'll receive that bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games. Uh, I think they have some baseball, like futures too. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So let's talk about the Pacers' clutch play. Wow, is this a problem for this team this year? They, in this game against the Pistons, for some reason I closed the tab 
of this game. That is extremely lazy of me. But in this game against the Pistons, their clutch play was terrible. NBA.com defines clutch play as within five points, within five minutes left in the game. I like that. I think that's an acceptable way to describe crunch time. So let's, we cross the five-minute mark. Lavert hits a three. It's 85-87. The Pistons are winning with five minutes to go, right? The Pacers are right there. They are right there. They're down by two against an inferior team. They've had a good second half. They're winning the second half at that point by six. All they got to do is outscore the Pistons by two over the rest of the game. And if you caught it, they only had 85. So they scored only four points the rest of the way from that point. So this Pistons game, just another reminder of some of the clutch issues this team has. Keelan Martin, miss on the next possession. Pull up three-point shot, 27 feet. Next possession after that. Miles Turner misses a 28-foot three-point shot. Next possession, Keelan Martin misses another 26-foot three-point shot. Then Lavert hits a three. Then the next shot, Lavert misses a three-point pull-up jump shot, right? So they don't take a two until 126 to go in the game. And it just was very settling E from the point that Lavert hit that three on. And the Pistons barely even extended their lead. The Pacers got it back to two with Lavert's three at the 240 mark. They were always hanging around three or four. It just seemed like they, they were going for too many like momentum swingers. Uh, instead of just chipping at it, it was very odd to see that. And obviously, if they make them, we look back and go, "Wow, what a huge shot by you know Keelan Martin or Karras or whoever or Miles to to get the Pacers tied." And they never looked back. Like great. And, and and at times this season, we've seen that be huge for them. But one, they didn't have one of their best clutch players this season, ironically, in Duarte. And two, the shots themselves were just not the ones you expected them to take or the guys you expected them to take them. It just really sunk them. And then even when they were down, just just three with 2.23 to go. They scored one more point the rest of the game while Detroit scored six. I mean, they, they just fell apart in this game offensively down the stretch. And I don't want to get too picky about one clutch game. That said, they should have beat the Pistons. But it is, you know, one game can be, oh, we missed some fluke open shots. And some of those threes I just talked about were open. But, but it is a microcosm of a problem the Pacers have had this season in the clutch. And that's where I think that it is more telling than just we lost, right? So... Pacers lead the league in games with clutch situations this season. Unsurprising if you've been keeping up with them since it feels like they're within five points every game. 11 of their now 16 games, and this might not be updated for this Detroit game, so it could even be 12 now, um, of their games this season have had clutch situations. Pacers in this game, 3-8. and eight, Only three wins and 11 tries. So if you just sort by wins in the clutch on NBA.com, the Pacers are near the bottom, tied for 17th, despite being first by a mile in games played so obviously that's going to lend you to knowing that their net rating in the clutch is awful this year minus 23.4 unknown if that's before or after this game but if it's before this game that number is worse right so even worse fallings so it's in the 24 to 27 range ranked in the league only a few teams worse in clutch situations than the pacers this season and that is led by a not atrocious defensive rating uh, in in the clutch, uh, right about league average. Uh, well, it's a little below league average, but their offensive rating is putrid, 90.9. That's 25th, right? So their offense has been killing them in the clutch, and that's unsurprising if you've watched the team. Their assist percentage in the clutch is a number that stands out to me, 40.6%. That's very low. That's 24th in the league. So like I, when I was reading through those shots that they were taking, uh, pull-up three from Martin, pull-up three from Levert, another pull-up three, from Levert, right? Just not not past two shots. A pull-up jumper from McConnell with 18 seconds left in this game. They took a lot of shots that were not set up by a set or set up by a play or set up by 
one of their elite playmakers making it get open, they took a pull-up jumper. And those are not bad shots. They've had some good pull-up shooters this year. Like, by itself, being a pull-up doesn't make it bad, but it's the volume of them, the continued use of trying to use them to score that is problematic. And teams try not to turn it over in the clutch. So there's less passes. There's more simple sets. Like, I get that. There's going to be less passes. But pull-up 28-footers when you're down four is not necessarily the answer, especially with four minutes left. That's been a persisting problem for the Pacers in the clutch this season. Assist-to-turnover ratio, everyone's favorite stat. They're a little better there because by doing what they do in the clutch with the low, the low assist percentages, they don't have quite as bad of a turnover rate, right? They're about they're, they're 13th in the clutch and turnover rate, right? Like That actually hasn't been somewhere where they've been getting killed. So it's really just that they keep it so simple that – if that action is cut off, they don't have a lot of options. They they get stuck and excuse me are forced to take much tougher shots. And their rebounding in the clutch has been really uh, rough. 18th in the league, uh, mostly guided by poor offensive rebounding. In those moments, their defensive rebounding has been okay. So uh, just like painful every every stat you stat excuse me that you can sort by on NBA.com does not paint them favorably in the clutch. 19th in effective field goal percentage, terrible right? Even worse in true shooting percentage at 22%. So their free throws aren't going in late in games. Their pace in clutch situations, 24th for a team that isn't that slow this season. They're not playing to their identity. No matter what stat you look at, this team just gets something about them when the game starts to get on the line, they get off. They get, they don't, they don't, and I don't want them to be playing these possessions as a viewer that are really dynamic and intricate like they would play in the middle of the third quarter, the middle of the second quarter, because They've been turning it over a ton in those instances. That's not a good idea for this team in those instances. They need to keep it simple and try to get good shots that way. I think as a viewer, uh, that that makes sense. I would be okay with that. But it's it's when they're shooting, it's like early in the clock or like not the right shooter coming around a screen or it's a pull-up in the mid-range or they're not looking for the roll man as much. You could critique like crazy. And I obviously don't understand the intricacies of basketball in ways that NBA players do, right? This team was excellent in the clutch two seasons ago and three seasons ago. Victor Oladipo was on the team, but still, they were okay last year. So this year, it's just, maybe it's small sample, but they've just been much worse in a way that has sunk them in multiple games. And when you are 6-10 and 10 and have a ton of close losses, of course you're going to look at clutch play as a factor in your struggles and the reason why your team isn't performing well. So no matter what stat you want to pick at, that, that has been something that the Pacers have really struggled in, is finding a way to get the stops to score easily to close a game or score in the half court to close a game. Two, obviously, the two important things to do, but they just can't, they haven't been able to figure it out no matter who's in the game. It's just killer for them. So there are some flaws in the way that that rating is calculated. Like if you're up five and then you score, like you just got a positive for net rating in the clutch, but then it's not clutch time anymore. So the next bucket doesn't hurt you. So there's some finicky numbers there, but it's pretty accurate, uh, and it matches the eye test for sure, especially in this Pistons game on what they're struggling with, which is just a lot of settling and not a lot of looking for the best shot. And you know, Brogdon said after the game that at times during the whole game prior to the clutch, you know, throughout the whole fourth quarter, they weren't ripping it right away when they got the open look, whereas in the clutch they did it too much where they weren't trying to get to the second level or weren't trying to do the Pacers thing where they shot fake and put it on the floor. So if the Pacers want to get better and not lose these games, two games in a row where they're winning in the fourth quarter, or you know, they've really been winning in the fourth quarter and probably over, definitely over half of their losses at this point, they've got to be better in the clutch. They've got to 
stick to their guns a little more and not not try to be so simple. I think you know they're not necessarily playing to lose um, to me, but they're they're just not playing in the way that they play most of the rest of the game, and it's really killing them. So. Uh, there are some other stats and trends about the Pacers that haven't been so hot, and part of the reason they're six and ten that I want to talk about related to turnovers and shooting openness. Uh, so let's do that. Thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today. Let's talk about more concerning trends because this team is doing some alarming things this season. But look, you sort by turnovers in the in the list of NBA teams, and the Pacers are in the bottom five, uh, about sixteen per game. And that has just been a shocking problem to me all season long. And I know that sounds dumb because we were watching the team play to say, why is it so shocking? But this same roster in seasons past has not been this high turnover team, even with Nate Bjorkren as the coach who was extremely aggressive and tried to open things up with aggressive play. They were above average, 13th in the league in turnovers that year. Nate McMillan, extremely conservative, a guy you'd expect to limit turnovers. They did. They were fifth in the league that year, right? So they've had a coach on both ends of the spectrum running this team, and they still, in the past two seasons, have not been a terrible turnover team, right? Top half of the league both times. So it's stunning to me to see them in the bottom half of the league, in fact, the bottom five teams of the league this year, and this is absolutely killer for them. It's absolutely killer. I mean, they that's just the easiest way to let the other teams score. Like, even teams that are bad Half-court offensive teams are easily scoring off of turnovers against the Pacers, and it doesn't take a genius to know that that turnovers are bad. Uh, but you know, the, letting the Pistons and the Knicks and the Raptors, and I'm trying to think of other teams that are you know not great half-court offensive teams that they've played this season, but those three stand out. Of like, they're really talented in transition. There's a reason that team is good. They're worse half-court than in transition. Like though, those three stand out as teams that have punished them for this, and they've played the Knicks twice and the Raptors twice. So. Maybe that's kind of influencing some numbers here, but they just have been so bad turning it over, and it's very surprising to me to see them this low in the league given how much better they were at this last season. And I get it with Duarte, who's learning the game and learning when to pass, but you know Brogdon and Sabonis, both over three turnovers per game. I mean, that is unacceptably high, and some of those are bad entry passes. Some of those from Sabonis are just his hands seem weaker this year. Like he's he's losing control of the ball more often. Maybe the scouting report has has changed in a way that has allowed other teams to figure out how to get the ball from him, but it's concerning to see him turn it over so much. Miles Turner at up about two assists per game. That's really concerning. He's had weak hands his whole career, but some of his are just you know, dropping the ball on bad passes, and I think that's what Carlisle was kind of referencing when he said, you know, we're not looking at guys and making the right two-hand passes, is that's where these, the, you know, the guys like Turner at 1.7 per game, and, and TJ McConnell, I guess, forces them. But Justin Holiday over one per game are you know stuff like that those guys are you know errant passes are forcing them to do some turnovers and so this team's got to clean up some timing and passing and i get it with the new system that's going to be the case but it's really killing them these turnovers are really killing them every game and having so many in one half limits your offensive output and screws over your defensive output the pistons did not have a good offensive first half in the half court but they were just killed by all these turnovers they were made it so easy for the pistons to score any anyway in transition that they walked all over the pacers and and got this win and that's just one game it's happened many times this season the pistons in this game uh ended up with uh 12 points off of turnovers right that that, that you know they won by eight that's a lot so uh they they won the fast break point battle they won the turnover battle and they won the game the pacers need to clean this up you know they don't have the talent to be this low in turnovers like 
outside of the Warriors, most of the teams bad in turnovers are the Magic, who are four and eleven, right? And the Timberwolves, who are four and nine, and the Rockets, who are one and thirteen, right? These teams low in turnovers are low in the standings as well, whereas the top five teams in turnovers are all much more talented. So they got to clean up the turnovers. That's one stat that doesn't take a brainiac to notice that it's a problem, but I wanted to look at the numbers behind it and explain why it's happening. The other thing is I don't think the Pacers take bad shots. I like where they shoot from very much. Uh, they, they have cut out a lot of the fat from past seasons of bad shots. They take... They still take some mid-rangers. It's the right guys. Like Sabonis is pretty good at them. McConnell's pretty good at them. Lavert's pretty good at them, although he's been missing. Uh, I talked about that on Monday. But I think that there's some openness and forcing it issues with their shooting in general that is evidenced by some NBA.com open shooting tracking data. And in this game specifically, so I didn't even mention this, uh, props to Keelan Martin. He has worked so hard this season and played so well that the Pacers started him. Uh, Justin Holiday has been better with the bench. Keelan Martin's playing very well and is creating off the dribble. They tried to start him. And his defense on Jeremy Grant was excellent. His offense was not good. He was one for seven for two points. So in general, not a, I would say, like below average performance from him. But he earned the starting job and his defense was good. Why do I talk about Keelan Martin? Because he had two or three shots in this game that were pretty heavily contested and kind of forced. And only one of them, I think, was really late in the shot clock. So he had a few shots that in this game that made you kind of go, and why did he take that? Why didn't the Pacers hunt for a better shot? Or why didn't they they take a little longer to try to get a better look? And so I wanted to look at the data of how many shots per game are the Pacers taking with you know very tight coverage. You know, so NBA.com tracks the closest defender on shots. Very tight coverage, zero to two feet defender in your space. The Pacers are uh, seventh, seventh in in field goal attempts per game in those situations at seven. attempts per game. That's pretty high. Uh, Their percentage on those is not very high, right? So those are shots that you should try to be avoiding, and the Pacers are taking a lot of them. And I get that some of it is their offensive rhythm being broken means they're taking some shots late in the shot clock, right? And those are going to be easier to contest for the defense. I get that. But it's still emblematic of a problem where they're either not getting a good shot early enough in the possession or they're forcing a bad shot. And once again, you look at this stat, who's taking poor shots. The Spurs are near the top. The Rockets are third. The Kings are fifth, right? A lot of bad, the Pistons, who they just played, are ninth, the Thunder are tenth. A lot of bad teams in the top ten there, right? Hunting for better shots is obviously better, and having guys with gravity to create those better shots is certainly part of it. But the Pacers do have some good enough shot creators to not be this low in this department. So uh, I get what Brogdon is saying where he says, when we have open shots, sometimes we're passing them up and, and trying to get a better shot a la they did with McMillan, and they, this Pacers team loves to shot fake and put it on the floor, and I think that's good if it if it gets a guy up in the air, but I think now that we're farther in the season, the scouting report says that's coming more, and teams are staying down, and guys need to rip it when they're kind of partially open. It's a better shot than what they've been taking, and the flip side stat is also true. They have uh, open shots, so the closest defender is four to six feet away. The Pacers are uh, 25th in shot attempts per game like that, right? So they're not getting the open looks either and the teams that are getting open looks uh good offenses the Mavs the Blazers the Hawks the Clippers right doesn't take the Warriors the Suns the Nets doesn't take a genius to understand like how good teams are able to create open shots I think I've said it doesn't take a genius to blank way too many times in this podcast but anyway the Pacers are getting a lot of maybe not a lot but they're getting a fair amount of wide open looks they're about 11th in that and they don't take a ton of uh tight coverage two to four foot 
shots, right? So they're not like the worst team in terms of shot profile, but they're definitely in the bottom probably 10 teams in the league in terms of the openness of the shots they get. And I think that's kind of, we've seen them settle in a lot of games recently. And I think that that is evidenced by these stats that they, they might need to get one more pass going on or one more screen or one more action to try to get those open shots. You know, it seems like in the games they're playing their best, they have a lot of those Justin Holiday ghost screens or a lot more Sabonis getting short roll opportunities to pass instead of not uh, because when he gets those, they can they can get more open guys because more help comes, right? It just feels like they're one action away from having a little stronger offense and that action could be where they turn it over. So maybe that, that crosses over with what I just talked about with my first stat, but this team just needs to change a few things ever so slightly and I think they can be a lot better and I that, that's kind of been the theme for them all season and that will be the case for a team that loses a bunch of close games but just a few low-hanging fruit kind of things can make this team a lot better we saw them win five of seven by cleaning up a lot of them and I think they can do it but losing to the Pistons certainly does not inspire confidence in a fan base and in and in people who cover the team so we'll see how the Pacers respond Friday against the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow Alexa Ross will be joining us uh, to talk Pacers and tease from Philly. So TJ McConnell as well should be really fun. And we'll talk a little Hornets, presumably, because that's who the Pacers play on Friday. Thank you guys a ton for listening. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnPacers and me at T East NBA. Hope you all had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>